Good evening, Brock. Good evening, Cameron. Those were good pregnant pauses. Yeah, still, I'm still getting used to the full name. Oh right, yeah. The the can the run part. Well, yeah. When you put it like that, it sounds easy. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've I mean we've we've covered this. The the single syllable just the the name Brock. There are two plosives in there. It's sort of sandwiched. It's a plosive sandwich or. The opposite, I guess it's a vowel sandwich with the plosives as the bread. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot Tell going on. I feel like, uh, uh, despite your previous claims that Brock is not a well, uh, well-interpreted name uh, when, when you just say it, I feel like it lands a lot better than Cam. I feel like I have to go out of my way to say Cam as opposed to Cam, Kim, Cam. Your mouth wants to Yeah, you're to go, right. It you know? finishes well. Mm-hmm. Brock. Yeah, it, it's Cam sort of like fades off. It starts okay. strong. It's you got a bra. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, yes, bra. I do get bra a lot. As well. I, that's true. Bra. There is that kind of bra. That's not the kind of bra. We're not talking about either kind of bra. Actually, we're just talking about how good that sound it feels. Bra, and then a, and that's it. That's the whole name. It, I should be more of a bro based on my name, but broke. I do need to ask. Now that it occurs to me, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Is it two syllables, or could it be said as Cameron? It, let's see. Let me say my own name here for a second. Cameron. 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 Okay, so that's two, and you're saying the er. Okay. Cameron. Cam. Cam. I'm not. I don't say Cameron. Cameron. I don't say my own name very often. I'm gonna say it's. How does it feel? It's not. It's not like. It's not like caramel. Right, there's not a whole, it's not a little, there's not a bump in the roller coaster right in the middle. Uh, but it's also not caramel where the whole thing just sort of, sort of flops out. Uh, it's in the middle. Uh, a, ca- a Cameron. There's, a, there's, there's space between them and the earth, but it's not very much. Just a little, right. little, just a little lift. I want you to practice that for about five minutes every morning in front of the Cameron. Yeah. Come ra- around the rocks, the rugged rascal. Ra- Do you know where that's from? Rose, mo- no, Ronda rocks the rocket. That's from a, a great, great uh, musical, uh, "Singing in the Rain." Ah, yes, yeah. I'm not as familiar with that as you, I believe. I, I don't. I mean, I, I know why. I was about to say I don't know why. I do absolutely know why. Uh, this is actually we, we could talk about this today if we really want to. Uh, I have a, I have a, a image my mother sent me of a, th- a thing I wrote when I was 11. Uh, but we, our family grew up, my family grew up on some almost exclusively movies uh, starring people that were older than our parents. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, a very, I did not see, let's see, I did not see Jurassic Park. Uh, and you got, y'all did. Uh, I did not see uh, the, like the Ghostbusters. I didn't see the Goonies. Many, many movies. I did not see. Instead, I grew up on the Bob Hope, Bing Crosby classic road movies, Road to Bali, <laughs> Road to um, Singapore, I think was another one, uh, and, and uh, Red Skelton and, and the Three Stooges and the, the, um, the Little Rascals. Where was I? Oh, so like, yeah, I also grew up on a lot of old Hollywood classics, uh, like Singing in the Rain. 
Yeah, I was exposed to those, but I do recall you. That was sort of the exclusively the thing that you were you had access to. So yeah, all right. There's a tremendous, tremendous website I recommend anyone go to because it's a it's an experience uh, called kidsinmind.com. And the ostensible purpose of kidsinmind.com is to keep parents informed of unacceptable things that their children might un- otherwise be subjected to in a, in a movie. Uh, it, it rates all movies on a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10 on... Uh, I don't remember the third thing. Well, it was language, violence, and sex. So I had an informal rule that I couldn't see a movie with more than like a three in sex and like a four in language or something like that. Um, but it is a uh, here. Let me pull up a kids in, name a, a movie that you think might be uh, innocuous. I want to. Oh no, is it down? Kids in mind. Is there a is there a hyphen in? Oh, sorry. There's hyphens in the URL. That's cool. Oh, All right, that's get, awesome. n- name a name a movie you think might be uh, might be completely innocuous and harmless for your children. Uh, Here, Aladdin? Aladdin. 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 Got it. All right, I'm Aladdin. Screw with Aladdin. Aladdin has Tell a me. has a sex and nudity score of one. Three oh. three Disney okay. ki- kisses. Two between the princess and... Oh, by the way, the whole point of this site is they list literally everything that happens in a movie that might be bad. Uh, the princess is drawn rather seductively with a little cleavage and an exposed midriff, and she flaunts her curvy figure. Well, you know, reading this is much more uh, risque than watching the actual movie. I mean, I saw that a lot as a kid. It, it never made me... Uh think those things <laughs> let me find uh the uh no wait they don't have the goonies let's see uh, jurassic park jurassic park three no this segment is starting to die this i've opened this se- i've opened the podcast with a segment where i read from a website and it's going about <laughs> as well as one might expect sex and nudity two a computer screensaver twice seen twice includes the torso of a shapely woman ma- wearing a zebra patterned bikini cleavage bare abdomen shoulders and legs are shown a close-up shot is filled with the buttocks of a man of a woman wearing short shorts that reveal the tops of her bare thighs an overweight man is seen shirtless a man wears an open shirt that bears his full <laughs> wait, chest wait, wait the overweight man seen shirtless is that under uh nu- sex and nudity yeah. or is that yeah, yeah. violence or, and gore or sort of eye violence i guess <laughs> <laughs> no, violence and gore is a solid six. Although it, uh, the walls of the, the thing that I remember not being allowed to see this movie for, which is the the outhouse scene uh, in in Jurassic Park, uh, that is for that is under violence and gore. Um, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of gray area in this, so hard in this, to pick. this yeah. depraved movie. Uh, the profanity of four, three scatological terms, two anatomical terms, ten mild obscenities, name calling, including cheap, slob, crazy, blood sucking, and stupid. I don't know that blood sucking is a name calling. Stereotypical re- someone's job. Stereotypical references to scientists, businessmen, men, women, the obese, lawyers, geeks. Three religious profanities and four religious explanations. Wait, explanations. is this is this saying is this addressing political correctness and? other forms of potentially offensive language i i think that kids in mind seeks 
to uh, leave no stone unturned in their desire to fetishistically list every possible thing in a movie that isn't like you, someone eating a sandwich. Unless they, or they're eating the sandwich seductively, in which case I'm sure it would show up here. I don't even want to read that because... Hmm. Uh, so, well, Jurassic Park. <laughs> now, my parents were pretty strict about what we got to watch yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, maybe not in the same way as yours were, but seeing Jurassic Park was a major deal for me. I guess I was at that age where it was just like okay you can probably watch this and we went to the theater to see it and it was me my dad and my older sister who also was like just being allowed to see something like this and uh i mean i don't remember a lot of theater goings specifically but that one i certainly do that was i'm sad that you didn't have that experience that was something else I had a very strange set of vicarious experiences, though, because everyone, everyone saw Jurassic Park. Y'all, everyone talked about it. All my friends talked about it. And then my grandmother, uh, who is extremely uh, straight-laced on other aspects, for some reason went up against my parents. Like, she was really into Jurassic Park. And uh, as a rogue move, kind of behind my parents' back, or maybe in front of my parents' back, but in a way that they couldn't, like, confiscate them, or I guess they maybe didn't care. She gave me a set of Jurassic Park trading cards. Wow. Um, yeah, so I had these trading you cards. You put them under your mattress? <laughs> I mean, the, there could have been a shirtless the, obese man on one of those I'm pretty, sure, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Dennis Nedry is shirted on his trading card. Um, but I inferred basically the entire plot of the movie from this set of trading cards that kind of, you know, it was a, it wasn't a collectible card set, I think, because I feel like every scene is represented to the point where when I actually saw the movie years later, I was actually kind of bored because I knew it was going to happen. You had storyboarded it with your cards and yeah. actually had come up with a more compelling timeline. I wish that and was, was the case. A- it was just a disappointment. I, I actually am not a huge fan of the movie, and I wonder how much of it is just all of the like weird baggage and the way the movie was drip-fed to me for years uh, before I finally I'm saw guessing, it. I'm guessing, well, I'm guessing so. And, and saying for years would also indicate the, um, the just the uniqueness of what it was when it was. Hey, I won't get into it, but it definitely was one of those movies where it's still good, but it was special because of what it was and when it was. Um, oh yeah. So, I mean, yeah, definitely there's there, there were some clever filmmakers. It's some, it's like Terminator, right? There's, there's some Terminator two, especially does so much with comparatively primitive special effects. Um, Terminator two holds up amazingly well. I, I, I think like the T-Rex stuff in Jurassic park is awesome. And the way it's shot in the rain and everything hides the, the animatronics, like all that. Yeah. Great. I, actually, I, I, see modern movies and i just can't handle the i'm not going to get into cg bashing it's not cg it's the over insistence on like manipulating every bit of a thing's movement and trying to make everything work together perfectly in this scene that your brain neither can comprehend and also feels is slightly wrong because no real life scenario uh, animates itself with such like inner lacing precision. It's just it needs to be 
what that was. So there's was a aging. There's a trailer. Uh, I never saw Jurassic World uh, because I don't. I don't really see movies all that much. Uh, Wait, can you say that with a more condescension? Just no, like, no, no. That was that was. I know it wasn't for that, but I feel like it would be a good opportunity. <laughs> you miss you miss you misheard, or I miss mis mis expressed my uh, uh, fatigue, my parental. I can't just go see a movie whenever fatigue as <laughs> as condescension. I I think I've, I've, we've touched on the the what Shannon and I have decided on doing most of the time is is soloing yeah, movies. Yeah, alternate. Yeah, and that's what you got to do. Um, and I'll do that for you know I did it for Blade Runner and stuff, but I'm not going to do it for Jurassic World anyway. Point being, there's a there's a scene in Jurassic World in the trailer where there's a huge uh, audience full of people, like thousands of people, uh, looking at a huge uh, like a, a, arena of water, and then this massive creature jumps out and like eats another creature or something and it's by scale dwarfs the uh, the t-rex thing by a factor of 10 right it's this humongous 500 foot long thing but in terms of you the viewer and what you're seeing it's like the there is no uh suspense you don't feel small and that doesn't feel big you just kind of feel like you're in a helicopter seeing something big happen really far away you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. every every part of it that could be uh, used to make the viewer feel small or amazed or anything is is set aside for the thing that, like I guess, makes the best. It, it feels the biggest, but it doesn't actually feel the biggest. You know, the camera feels too big. The whole scene feels too small. I guess. Yeah, I totally get that. I I, I wonder if it's just done on purpose because they know it has an ag like an effect on an aggregate amount of people or if they just think that's the way to do it. But who know. knows? Uh, Hey, I'm going to say pause, but you can do whatever you want because I heard a child in distress and I am in the house by myself. So let me go check on that. Uh, oh, interesting. Intriguing. All right. Well, that's good because I was going to forget to do this. This is Cameron and Brock are two people. Uh, I'm Cameron. The That was Brock. Uh, we, uh, so far on this show, talk about food 20% of the time. We talk about movies 5% of the time and then start getting, getting nervous that it's becoming a movie podcast, which no one, I guess, needs. Not that anyone needs this, this podcast either, but uh, we, we have known each other since we were six. We uh, try not to delve into memories so much that someone would say it's a memory podcast, but we're uh, reviewing, I would say, the last 30 odd years, less than 30 years of our existence, comparing notes on what the heck has happened and what we're planning to do about it. That's the podcast. We're two people. It's Cameron and Brock are two people. You can email Cameron and Brock at gmail.com with questions, comments, requests for topics, uh, complaints. Uh, you can go rate us on the, on the iTunes and the Google. And uh, I, I hope you're, you enjoy listening to this unscripted podcast where uh we experiment with being more frank and open than uh we usually are i guess at least than we have been with each other for a long time i haven't talked with brock regularly since college and uh 
this podcast sort of started because we both realized that we had a lot of things to get off our chest and a lot of things to compare about and a lot of reflections on how we were raised and things like that. I'm glad you're here, person. And I'm glad Brock's back because I was having to vamp there. That was getting awkward. How did it go? How, how's, the, how's the child? Uh, he's fine, inexplicably. He just started wandering through the house, okay. laying down periodically, crying and trying to go to sleep. So I just placed him back in his bed. I'm he gonna... did have a major spill earlier, so he may be just mm. in pain. They were playing a game which... Some of you may recognize the one where you go outside, put pillowcases over your head, and run as fast as you can, not knowing where you're going. And oh. then you run into something, and oh, oh surprisingly, goodness. it hurts. Uh, no, I, my, my children are kinetic, but in a slightly different way so far. <laughs> um, so, wait a minute. You had said that you were at home alone, and you heard a crying. You meant that you were the only adult well, that present. Been- <laughs> I don't think I would have calmly explained that situation to you. <laughs> I thought maybe you heard someone in your yard or something. I actually thought there was a potentially an actual problem going down. No, alone means without other adults. Um, mm. But yeah, let's see if he uh, let's see if he chills out. I haven't heard any children in my yard, so who signs be- off on this pillowcase suicide game? I, nobody signs off on it. It it's, was clearly their older brother who was trying to come up with games to direct for them, as he likes to do. Oh. And I'm like cooking and looking outside occasionally. And then every 30 minutes to an hour, somebody will come in crying. That's a not a bad ratio considering, you know, I mean, you maybe they have a lot of open space to work in. I feel like you got a pillowcase on your head and you're running, it's going to take you less than 30 minutes to run into something. Oh, no, I think that happened within a minute. Uh, this is not a con. I don't believe this game has ever been attempted before. So uh. I, I can think of at least one reason why. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did they, uh, did they, so so where did these pillowcases come from and where did they go? Did they salvage them from their beds and then you just ended up with more laundry and a bandaid? Um, I believe they took them off of my bed, which garnered, uh, another level of talking to, as well as telling his brothers to do dangerous things. So yeah, there was some pillow restrictions put in place. (laughs) I'm. I mean, that's that's uh, that's bold. There's that. That if I was, uh, however old, how's what's the mastermind's age here? Like nine or ten? Eight. Just eight. turned eight. Oh, okay. For some reason, I. Oh, that's right. For some reason, I thought you had a, a kid significantly older than mine, just barely. Uh, a lot more conniving than mine, though. I. I think that uh, the parents' pillows on their bed are the last place I would look as an eight-year-old for pillowcases. I would sooner. Go buy a pillowcase at the store, then take them off my parents' bed. Um, uh, well, so we'll see. another really uh, another very uh, thing that I, I feel like is important to detail here: Did the eight-year-old have a pillowcase on his head? No one had any uh, anywhere by the time they got in. It was oh. one of those situations where. Nobody wants to get in trouble for one of their siblings getting injured, which is an incredibly common, as so far as I've seen, situation among siblings. Um, sort of like they want to 
smash each other up. And as soon as somebody gets seriously hurt, they're like, oh, you're okay. Uh, everything's fine. Don't tell mom or dad. Right, right. Yeah, you don't yeah, – I mean, the plan it requires multiple willing participants normally. So you didn't actually – it's not like you were stirring a pot and then you looked up and there were pillowcases running around your yard. The entire thing is hearsay at this point. There were pillowcases out there. I mean, circumstantial evidence is strong, I'll say. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, so they were uh, pillowcases out there. Oh, man. Yeah, so this is just going to continue uh, as it would for so many boys running around together. But that's all right. I guide them in some semblance of... Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a great... <laughs> You're guiding them. Uh, well, what's the word? You, you don't like tell the river where to go. You sort of like nudge it away from the worst possible place it could go, right? I, I would say that that is a parenting philosophy that I did. I don't feel like I was raised on, but I'm definitely come around to in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> I my I feel like the I was raised more on the quick. I need an answer to the like a very sort of heuristic heavy uh, way of parenting where I, I I feel like a lot of things were introduced to me as a conclusive soundbite um, for, for a very sort of like off the wall example for years, years um, I, I had seen the, the, the band Pearl Jam in the, uh, in the newspaper. I was probably too young to actually be listening to Pearl Jam. I don't know. But I, was, I was probably like 10 or 11 they had come to Pensacola or something. And I asked mm-hmm. my, my mother who Pearl Jam was, and she said, oh, they're pro-abortion. <laughs> that was, for a super long time, all I knew about Pearl Jam is that they were probably not good dudes because they were pro-abortion. And like, That was... Uh, right? Yeah. Like, and who <laughs> no, knows? Not to say that there wasn't something behind that statement, but... As a kid, you're only given the information. You tend to imagine what you're told is the most important piece of information, or at least everything else is sort of trivial um, when you're told something like that. So, yeah, you weren't being lied to, per se. No, and like the, 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 it was perhaps beyond the, it was very much beyond the purview of that particular conversation, uh, one way or the other, but. You know, I had a I had a file, and I had just I I had, in my brain I had pulled out a folder and I had written Pearl Jam on it, and that file was clean as the day that it came out of <laughs> out of out of brain home uh, brain office depot, and I had nothing in there, and then I asked, hey, I'd like to put something in this file, and I and that's all I get, and that one piece of paper goes into the file, and that's it for, well, for forever. That was that that is not unique to you i i got a uh, a good amount of that too but you know for i guess you do try to do that a little bit so that they can comprehend a little bit of everything i guess but i'm gonna i'm gonna try to go for a little more of a neutral uh fact sort of facts maybe a couple facts and you can just Pick what you want out of those. Well, I mean, that was a fact, right? But it was the wrong, it was entirely the wrong category class and every other, uh, it was the wrong type of fact. So like uh, with my kids, I'm super, uh, super, I, I want to give them the most accurate information, but also the most like 
contextually appropriate information that I can. And like you, like you said, the most neutral information, uh, and, and explain immediately that some people might think this, but other people might think this or whatever. Um, or, you know, in that particular case, my mother should have said, I don't know. <laughs> cause, she had, cause my mother doesn't know a single thing about Pearl Jam other than what she re- like read in the AFA journal or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. I mean, there's, it is a very prevalent mindset. Um, and not in, in this case, it's a conservative Christian mindset right. being related, I would say. But I think it's common widely where someone is just a thing or a group or whatever is just reduced to a caricature or a uh, a non-defining fact and it's just fine because that fits with everything else you're doing so i've heard it called a heuristic and the reason i like the term heuristic is that it is not just uh like a a caricature can just be for a you can have a caricature for a lot of reasons like you can have a caricature to make something funny or make something memorable or something like that and they can be used positively and negatively a heuristic is a uh, it's like a learning shortcut and it can, and it's a term for, um, I'm looking at the actual de- like definition to make sure I'm not screwing this up. Um, but it, it's a, it can be a mil- mental shortcut that eases the cognitive load of making a decision. So when I think of heuristic, it's not just, oh, it's a stereotype. It's yeah, yeah, it's sort of, yeah. A stereotype is like a type of heuristic, but it's in general, a way to reach a conclusion quickly, uh, and easily. That's all. So like it's it's like uh, all of those things if for the purpose of like shutting the lid on something and feeling okay about that. But I mean it is it's potentially useful, but it yeah. would have to be carefully. I'm there is more screaming. So <laughs> hold on. Hey there. Hey. Welcome back. Uh, hello. Hi. There was a bathroom emergency oh. slash he is still feeling injured from busting part of his top lip. So. Oh, boy. Well, we were we were two podcasts away from the last time we talked about kid poop, so I'm glad we're back there. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling every other, maybe two is a little too long to wait. Yeah, we got to pace ourselves, but we don't want to lose momentum on the, on the poop front. All right. Well, yeah, I, uh, I have two things I could talk about. Ooh, things. But I'm going to go with this one because you asked me if anything happened last week and stuff sort of did. I think I stabbed myself or something. Yeah. Well, more, I think more importantly, and I was just spacing here, was my first, well, not my first, uh, I had a niece born on the 5th, my uh, younger brother Jacob oh, had a girl Okay, born, his wife had a girl, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is my first biological niece, which I don't think anyone says but I'll say it. Um, yeah. 
we have like fun la, 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 la. one, two, three, four, five, six boys between me and my siblings. And now there is a girl. Well, I, I you know, I, I saw that whole I, I saw the event uh, on, on the Facebook and, and Instagram and it did not occur to me until at all until you said it now this that you're finally getting some female representation uh on at that generation by the way i'm not like uh recording from the bathroom or nothing i think shannon is cleaning the bathroom so if you hear some plumbing type sounds everything's fine uh don't worry about it we Um, have never questioned the sounds that we hear so uh, we'll skip well i i want to so i want to talk about what that means for you uh, and boy, there goes the toilet again. A lot of fun back there. I cannot hear that. Okay, well, that's good. I guess <laughs> that I'm just wasting podcast time talking about things only I can hear. Uh, let's, so you are a biological uncle. Uh, did, what does this mean for your future? Uh, yeah, this is, I don't know. I haven't prepared a speech or anything. Mm. I think there was, you know, there's latent resentment that my wife never produced me a daughter. Um, doesn't sound very late. Of course, if you're talking about it on a podcast, (laughs) it's no longer late. This is the safe outlet where we tell strangers things. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, I forgot. Uh. No. Well, scientifically, I'm told that is wrong and that I am to blame, but I don't subscribe to scientific theories or otherwise that blame me for things. Um, so yeah, interesting approach. (laughs) It's a heuristic, if you will. <laughs> I think just uh, out and out refusing something is not a heuristic. You've got to have a like an arbitrary oh, principle. Oh, I think you're. Mm, do you do you have a Bible verse that supports what you're short. saying? I could definitely yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't there you can. I think five minutes max, and I could give you a Bible verse for pretty much anything you could possibly want me to support or deny. So. Yeah, I never had a daughter yet, but I'm going to say never because probably not looking to have more kids. And so this is a big, this is fairly big. I do have two other girls among my wider, widerly produced nibblings. Nibblings? Which is, nibblings, yes. If you're not using that word, you should. Is if this you have a more than, word? Yeah, it's, it's plural gender neutral for for nieces and nephews. What an amazing word. Isn't it great? N I B O I N G. That is amazing. Man, we all learned something today. Or I did. Nibblings. What and down. Um, anyway, yeah, I have so two three girls. Mm. Uh yeah, nibblings now. So yeah, it's cool. I haven't seen her yet. I will. But Yep, I think I'll just live vicariously the life of the father-daughter thing somehow. How does how that work? How's that working out for you? I mean, you're just quite young, but... I mean, she's she's old, she's well beyond her years in many ways. Uh, she drew her first person the other day. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Uh, she can sort of draw her name. I mean, she's doing a lot of stuff. She's not quite three. Um, I would say... That my experience so far is that I, I, you know, I don't know how much of it is that it's a girl versus it's just not my gender. So I oversimplify the 
um, the the complexity of said gender. Like, I have no doubt that at some point a girl is going to become a very complicated. <laughs> Uh, like a daughter is going to become very complicated in a ton of different ways. But right now, while she's two, uh, I feel like the world of a two-year-old daughter is very, very straightforward in a lot of ways. Like she is, I, I, I am absolutely in the call your daughter princess team uh, where I just, I didn't think I would be. I always thought that was a little saccharine, a little maudlin. A little, mm-hmm. uh, a little, a little, a uh, little live, love, laugh over the headboard, but, oh my. but I'm just, I, I, it is what I want. Like it's, it's there. She, as we talked about, the files are pretty empty. Um, the definition, like she sees a lot of princess stuff and there is, and I love princess as just a general term for like very special little girl. Right. And like, so when she well, you has, can call. You can call me princess if you want. Okay. Um, let me write that down too. Uh, if, but there's a, there's a, um, if there's a dress that's particularly fancy or a shirt that has lace on it, like there are certain things that just become princess dress and princess shirt. And she's very excited about them. She's also very excited about matching, which doesn't really work out super well. So she'll just wear red pants and a red shirt, and she'll look like a, a tiny like a cinnamon <laughs> drop all day. And it's not it's not quite the same color. Like the amount of things that she's just like uh, openly thrilled with, it's very different. I, I also have two very different children. Archer was even at that age a lot more cerebral and a lot more internal, and she is very brave and like fast and she will wrestle you and she will knock you over she will try to knock you over she'll give you something called a super hug which is when she hurdles at you from across the room (laughs) in an attempt to knock you over uh we need more super hugs because when you put it like that i mean i wouldn't even care if that was like a socially acceptable thing um well tackling's not but yeah if you put it like i mean that just how can you not want to engage in that I, I mean, uh, you might be asking for it. If you have the the level of kineticism in your household, you might actually end up blindsided by a super hug and underneath three kids sometime in a way that is less cute and more painful. That, um, that describes very many situations here. So, yes. So let me describe something that happened just tonight. Shannon was roaring at both of the kids and trying to just like wear them out right before bed. And I heard... Oh no! And then Shannon came running down the hallway, and then Archer came running down the hallway wearing pieces of his like uh, little armor set that he got. And then last, Felix comes running down the hallway swinging a sword wildly at both of them. Um, that's sort of the <laughs> dynamic. Archer's going to put on all the armor and take off, and Felix is going to go for the head. And Shannon was actually running because, well, semi-theatrically, but also when she was in the room looking for Felix, Felix popped out of the closet and whacked her in the head with the sword and then chased her out of the room. Um, yeah, this sounds good. I yeah. like this. So she I, knows. Huh? She, she seems to have a good handle on who she is, whatever that is going to be. I mean, she's going to be it. Well, that's, that's and to, to me, that's my goal. I mean, that's my goal with both my kids, but uh, there's, there's, uh, certain amount of like my role for for Felix is just to make her feel comfortable and make her feel comfortable in herself and I think that probably will never change it will get a lot more complicated but that basic notion of I am here to make you feel safe um there are men 
of when you get older that are going to want something from you or maybe not make you feel safe and like this this is all going to be very complicated but i am the example man who is going to always make you feel safe and always make you feel comfortable in who you are like that that is my goal i guess so like uh that's that's that that's the different dynamic i mean I, there's obviously a equivalent dynamics with archer but um that that feels what are, what are we supposed you know? to be what are we supposed to be exemplifying to the sons uh, it's with him it's way it's w- weird like i said i i feel like the daughter thing straightforward just because i'm not a, a woman so my my role in that is more of how do i make an example of oh, how do i how do i provide a good example of, of a man and make her feel safe whereas right. a son the entire world of manliness i think more now more than ever is well not maybe not more than ever but no the entire world of manliness there's a very wide gamut of of things and of like how much you're supposed to express certain emotions and how you're supposed to treat women and how you're supposed to treat each other and and that stuff uh is very complicated I wish I had. A, I need a more like. All right. I, I, to me, it's more complicated because it is the gender that I am like. No, I think in it is. I mean, participating it's not. In. It's not simple <laughs> either way, but yeah. I, I do agree with you in that it's more of a direct example than a a counter example, right? It's it's almost like you have to teach someone the proper way to speak a language, rather than just say, "Hey, this is what this language." should sound like you know that's a very different thing versus so i'm with you i'm still trying to figure it out but i think i mean simply put though if you actually have an idea of the good way uh, 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 a positive way to be a person or a man in this case then try as hard as you can to be consistent as that and like you've already done most of your job it's i think um because example is probably 90 percent what i actually remember or or has changed the way i think and do things and you don't realize it till after the fact but that's saying something for me because i'm very like figure something out decide on the way to do it type of person like, don't just go with what feels right. But um, what actually changes the way you do things or what actually bases what what you come at things from is when you saw something and it was played out and it worked. And that's what you remember. I think that you're right. The example matters more than a platitude or matters more than either like, listen, son, here's here's how this kind of thing goes. You know, like I'm, you're gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to be a real man now. Like this, you know, we, you always treat a woman like this, blah blah blah. And and really, and anyone would, would uh, I think, agree on some level to that. That the the things that you remember are not uh, the list of things that your dad described to you about how to treat someone a certain way. What you remember are specific events, you know, like some specific thing yeah. that happened. Because uh, that's you know, consistency as a parent is the most important thing. I would, I would. Well, say. so it takes a little pressure off of you, 
but not really. It just transfers it back to the pressure you should feel as a human right. to be a good human being. Yeah. Uh, right. So at least it collapses those responsibilities. Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're always kind of on the hook uh, for sure. You, you can't really let it. Well, it's like, well, yeah, it, it's an extra level because then you're going to, you, you, you're not just going to screw up yourself. It's like putting a, putting a, a sticker on your car of something you like or associate with. And then all of a sudden you have this terrible feeling that, everyone will judge the thing you like based on how you now behave in your car. And you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I'm sort of the opposite way. I, but I have stickers on my car and I did something stupid. The last thing on my mind would be, oh no, I'm, I'm like if I was in high school and I got in a wreck, I wouldn't be concerned that somebody would now think Switchfoot sucks. <laughs> That's not that. That's not what I. Uh, well, I don't think that's exactly what I was saying either. But yeah, I don't know that it occurred to me in high school uh, either. But I also don't, uh, don't I, have stickers on my car. Speaking of now. stickers on my car uh-huh. uh, and driving poorly, I had a Gunsmoke Dialogue sticker on my car uh, until it got totaled, and so people might have hated your band. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have any more of those stickers. That was a very long time ago. Yeah, I, no, it just popped in. Oh man. Uh well, I think that with uh with Archer I the main thing I'm trying to do differently is to be really expressive and conversational and like give give him a lot of physical contact, like a lot of hugs and just generally push against what I think is it's hard to nail down in a way that doesn't sound overly critical or too broad, but there is a certain, uh, Southern, I think I th- I'm going to name it as Southern just because that's what I'm familiar with, but there, you because know, cause you're a damn Yankee. Yeah. I'm, just, uh, I'm, just, I'm not, uh, the, uh, the, the Southern male is not necessarily someone whom, is comfortable with expressing their emotions and uh there's you know there's a certain amount of like we're going to be a fairly distant or you know you think of like a standard 45 year old southern dude is not going to uh was not going to shed a tear at a song or something except unless it's like a manly song about the troops or something you know <laughs> you know what I mean like well, that is yeah that is certainly the accepted stereotype which in a lot of ways informs how people do actually act so yeah i I agree right and that's there's sort of social assumptions there and my my dad and his dad i would say both are on the taciturn side of things when it comes to a lot of that stuff like um my dad you know great guy wonderful guy probably listen to this podcast uh the the um the amount of actual like heart to heart discussion we had about like a feeling that I had growing up on the low end, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to like break back the other way with Archer a little bit. Um, in a way that is not just like, listen, son, you and me, we're both men and we're going to talk. I feel like you've are like, I just don't want that to be the framing of any interaction. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm with you. Now that we're men, we're going to, you know, listen, like you know, hand on the shoulder. Like I feel like that overmanning of a conversation is 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 just 
puts everything in like an awkward framing of since we are men, we have to address these emotions in a man way. Uh, <laughs> we have to man these emotions. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I, I am very far away from the person who says it's all constructed. Uh, it, it's even damaging to say you need to deal with it this way by putting some kind of veil over it. No, I mean, I think more often than not, you will end up having to deal with certain issues in certain ways with boys, but you don't have to think of it that way. Address it like it's neutral all the time, and you know, you'll know you end up having to deal with those things, yes, but it's so much more natural. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. I'm, all I'm saying is I want that, those conversations to not have to be special occasions or to be framed a certain way in order to... I mean, we're break, talking about you know, minimizing awkwardness, though, because yes, there's no avoiding it. No, uh, well, I mean, certain the the topics at hand, whatever they might be, no, definitely not. But the like, yeah, what am I going to tell my sons about Jasmine's midriff that's right. when they ask? For the you know, person? they're going to graduate from those one movies to the two movies, and all of a sudden, you're going to go from voluptuous figures to the voluptuous figures with bare midriffs, and eventually, around three or four, they're not even going to be animated anymore. They're going to be real life. Not in my house. <laughs> so this that hmm. Okay, so the main thing I remember from going to your house and watching movies, other than your your kicking movie room. Uh, that you had later on, uh, and then in the bigger house, right? Not the shoebox house that we discussed last the time. Your, 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 curse box? Yeah, the, the curse box. The curse box. The curse box that was a, this had to be, have been cutting edge technology at the time because my memory of how the curse box worked. And the curse box, if it had a dial that went from zero to 10, was turned to 11 at all times because I remember it cutting out like the word nuts and things like that. Um, it would read just for. Yeah, for clarification sorry. here, you uh-huh. ran audio. Wait, you ran. A, you ran. You didn't run audio through, through it. it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know. You did. You did both. It would read the closed captioning, and it would mute the movie um, over whatever words and groups of words you to- chose to cut out, and then it would play a closed caption with replaced wording which maybe was the best part of these earlier models. Yes. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. So you would still get the dialogue and, and it would cut out the, the normal audio, but you would get very entertaining sentences where I believe it replaced some, why? I don't know. It would replace like ass with toe. I remember that one. Sex was hugs, which yep. check. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. It, it actually, Worked and was hilarious. Um, gosh, I can't remember them all, but you can just imagine. Those are the two I remember. I remember uh, it failing epically on the movie Aliens. Uh, so, oh yeah. So, to back up, just to fully describe the experience of watching a movie here, there would be we'd be watching The Matrix or uh, you know some other because we could watch R-rated movies as long as they were like war violence. I think we watched Braveheart and Gladiator and and uh, the Patriot, but the Curse Box was on. So we would we would be watching uh, Aliens in this case, and there would be or uh, Independence Day. I think was a big one. There, and somebody there would be planes, there'd be alien, alien blaster, blah, 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 all sorts of sounds, and all of a sudden 
the closed captioning would hit a bad word and the, the room would go silent just with the sound of everyone breathing. And then, then there would be a awkward cla- caption on the screen where the pilot yells, uh, whatever, whatever, the, whatever damn turned into, I forget. Uh, Ugh, I've forgotten so much, uh, but so it was, it, the, and especially with certain movies, you're hitting one of these. Cause the, like I said, anything that was even PG would, would trigger this thing. So you're hitting constant audio blips throughout the whole movie. And sometimes they were, the closed captioning wasn't timed with the movie. So it would cut out just as the person said the thing. And then it would, it would block some other uh, dialogue that, uh, you would end up not getting a caption for. Uh, it was very frustrating. But my favorite was the epic. <laughs> the epic failure on the uh, the movie Aliens is, I believe, one of the soldiers in that movie says uh, um, says something to the effect of "motherfucker." Hello, listeners. In this segment, I originally uh, recalled the wrong phrase that uh, Bill Paxton says in the movie Aliens. He does not say the phrase that I said. Uh, he, in fact, says "rat fuck son of a bitch." So there you go. That is what I should have said here. I'm removing the thing I said because it was a little worse. Um, <laughs> which, which, uh, so this, this curse box blocked the first section of that perfectly. A plus. Good job, everyone. Did not know what to do with the second word. So what happened on the curse captioning is the, the sound cuts out. And then it says whatever dumb thing it says. And then it just says rat fucks on the screen for like... <laughs> like five seconds I, I truly don't remember that it must have been hyphenated or it was or like inside the word. word yeah right okay yeah yeah, yeah. it was mm. something i'm not gonna i'm gonna that, we, that's we how i remember it yeah Definitely. there was there was a there was a the word fuck had been worked into a uh multi-syllabic sort of you know expanded version that did not fire off inside the curse boxes fuck thesaurus um <laughs> We have to stay at the cutting edge of profanity (laughs) squashing. Yep. You have to. This is also someone's job. uh, Yeah, man. So, I mean, that job, I actually had to do that um, once in a, uh, in a, uh, for a client a few, uh, quite a few years ago, they insisted on a, uh, a filter for their comment system that we built for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we did have a huge file that we had gotten from somewhere that was ostensibly a list of every word that should be filtered out. And we just kept it around because it was a list of like 5,000 insanely creative, uh, <laughs> naughty words. Uh, yeah, we had, we had a forum. Remember we used the filtering just to like screw with each other by replacing words. We know we would say with something less flattering or, more flattering to the person. Oh, forums. For those of, yeah, for those of you cool. young people out there, a forum was like a Slack. Uh, it was like it, what? Uh, let's see. It was like a slow motion Slack where you're posting <laughs> web pages to each other. It was like a Squarespace Slack. Does that make sense? I believe they still have message boards. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but no one under 35 is on a message board. Uh, my message boards are all gone. Uh, I used to be a big, big player on the Tony Hawk two, uh, for PC message board. Uh, I was on there for years. You are a big member of the community. I don't want you to sell yourself short there. I was a mod. Yeah. You were a mod, the Normac. Mm -hmm. 
if I recall. Oh, I made some mods too, which is different than being a mod. We're really going to oh, confuse the kids with these old-fashioned oh, terms. Sorry, you were a mod. I thought you were talking about the mod you made. It was the Noramac mod. It was the Norahack mod. Oh, yeah, God. by the Noramac, the author of the Norahack, the uh, premier trick editing uh, really trick editing mod you for Tony what? Hawk Two for the place uh, for the PC. Thinking back on it, mm-hmm. I do in. Maybe they meant to do this. Maybe it was just a happenstance. But I, I back your parents, some of your parents' parenting based on how incredibly engrossed you would get into things when allowed to participate in them. I mean, it was <laughs> impressive. Uh I have to deal with that now with Archer. I'm, I've, I have been trying to go easy on screen time, but that kid is just, we discussed he got off the plateau in Zelda, in, Zelda into the game, and now he would play Zelda every waking moment if, if I let him. Uh, and we have, uh, I, I don't want to be screen time parents. I just don't want to, but uh, we, it, has, it has negatively impacted uh, school and uh chores and he spends all weekend uh, and uh, sunday i try not to have video games on in the morning on sunday up until sometime in the afternoon but it just means that there's incessant asking up until the video games it's um, i mean it's framed in all kinds of cultural ways and how it works and how it doesn't but it's just it's natural it's curiosity it's everything it's it's like a it's a distilled version of that, which is, I think, why it's so attractive. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, just treat it like anything else that would be in that same vein as far as behavior. Yeah, I don't like getting too obsessed about calling it a thing and then seeing it as that thing with all kinds of other definitions. Yeah, you just yeah. sort of handle it like everything else. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the thing. Is it, it? He's done this with a lot of things that weren't video games. Um, and I don't right. want to stigmatize video games. Certainly, I play a lot of video games myself. Um, but it is, it is whatever the thing is that he's just head over heels for, uh, we end up having to, to keep one eye on. Um, he currently, and I highly recommend this book for your household. Are you familiar with uh, the Picturepedia? I don't know. Explain it. The Picturepedia. It's only like twenty bucks or something on Amazon. It's a it's a um it's a big hardback book that is like the ultimate one of those books that's just like uh you know the Usborne Guide to Sports or whatever. Yeah. You know those those big uh mm-hmm. the, the the Picturepedia is one of those for everything. So there's a spread of uh flowers and there's probably 250 200 pictures of flowers on two pages there's a spread for horses there's a spread for airplanes there's one for fruits other words yeah i mean there's captions underneath everything it's oh. a, it's it's just a very very condensed and broad encyclopedia one of those visual encyclopedia things what you don't get is a lot of you know extreme detail like the one on dinners or like plates of food across the world is extremely overwhelming because it's just a page full of things with foreign names and no explanation as to you're like, well, I think that's chicken. That just looks like a stew, you know, but it's a, <laughs> it is an awesome tool for helping him like get a, a handle on the breadth of all of the things that are out there. Um, 
Maybe I need this. It is awesome. It is a real. I've sat down with it for a while. It's a really cool book. Um, <laughs> I learned some stuff in that book. I, I uh, started there and then ended up on a Wikipedia rabbit hole reading about other stuff. I mean, that, it is it is sweet. Uh, what I bring it up, uh, he's been looking at that, and I finally. I mean, we got it for Christmas, and I finally got him interested in it uh, recently, and now he is talking about it all the time. And what he it has done. Similar to what we were talking about earlier, you know, there's this, you know, I had one index card in my Pearl Jam folder. What I've created is a million folders, and he has, like, no context about which of those things should matter, right? So there's a page of 120 fruits, and we got, a, we got some vegetables today, and he looked at, I think, a potato, and he says, oh, is that a... And he said some name of a food I've never heard in my life <laughs> because there's no, there's no text on the page that's like, these foods are at your grocery store. This food is only in Indonesia or something. <laughs> this food was recently discovered on the island of Madagascar. Yeah, he, he doesn't know. Like On that page, a tomato has the same emphasis as a goji berry or whatever. You're this is you're you're like experimenting with your son at this point. I'm not trying to. I'm I'm more I'm I'm along for the ride, man. But uh, he he doesn't like That's what every scientist he, says. <laughs> sure, probably. <laughs> he just absorbs all this stuff with no uh with no real waiting. It's uh, waiting. W e i g. That's a good word to have to. You know what I mean? No no. Uh, oh, I'm with him. Yeah, there's no relative context to anything. It just all comes in. And then every once in a while, he's just like he knows something obscure. That. I don't. I want. I want to do that. I think that's what happens when you find a new hobby. Um, yeah. Oh, before I forget, and we never come back to censorship again. I think. Because <laughs> that will never come up again. Um, the so there was a there was a moment before the curse box. It's not called a curse box. What's it called? Clear play. I think it was called clear play. Anyway, huh. that you know, to my dad's credit, he wanted us to watch movies. These movies that he found interesting, and so Apollo thirteen came out, and he was like, "Hey, this is a great movie," but he didn't like some of the scenes that had a lot of cursing in it, etc. And so he was trying to figure it out. So he got a VHS of it and then he would watch it and then record over the bad parts. Oh my gosh. Right. To, to do this. And I mean, that I was dedication just to get to watch it. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, you have, once you, you have how you think you can raise your kids the best and then all the effort you put in, I mean, that's what matters. So thank you, dad. But even nice more of, of a even more of a thank you goes to the outcome, which me and my siblings still refer to. So first, he, um, I don't pretend to understand how VHSs work in all of their mechanicalness anymore, but there was some kind of time dilation involved in the overdubs. So, like a second worth of recording somehow stretched on the tape like 10 times that long <laughs> uh wait a minute what so wait is he dubbing uh, I'm in about like to explain it is he, it, it, okay. it was just what was on tv oh. which also <laughs> okay. happened to be a channel of like late night uh christian hymns with like you know like a sunset in the background Perfect. with a scripture and then there was a nice hymn playing or something 
So the overall effect would be that things would start to get heated in the movie and, you know, a valve's going to explode or, you know, one of the things that happen and you're on the edge of your seat and then it just snaps to a picture of a sunset with a scripture, Mm -hmm. angelic singing for like a full minute. And then it cuts back to the movie, you know, 10 seconds later and they're, you know, in the, they're, they're in it. Things are exploding again. And so to to say it was jarring (laughs) would be accurate, but it was also just, it was, amusingly hilarious so i really don't know original so would all i can think of is that he was dubbing it to a new tape because i don't think you can record over a purchased videotape unless you maybe you put tape over the boy i'm way out of my element here maybe you put tape over the thing like you do on a floppy disk in order to record on it Mm. i don't think he did that Mm. so maybe he was recording to a new tape well it could well he could have no yeah he he didn't do that either. We didn't have that kind of technology. We didn't even have one of those things that re, you know those things that rewound just the tape. Well, you we had didn't the, even have one of those things. You had the you had some sort of a time dilation device. Uh, well, when you put it that way, yeah, we we had a drastically divergent levels of technology. <laughs> well, the queer play, I'm I'm glad to say, is somewhat still around. They they apparently uh, legally uh, stream filtered versions of movies now so you can go to clear play and uh get that version oh yeah i, think I know that without they have it together now without the uh choir singing although like honestly a, a choir just like a minute of a nice choir at toward the end of apollo 13 actually seems pretty nice i don't i tell you what i remember that movie more vividly <laughs> so accident, happy accident i guess here's the only thing i remember from apollo 13 literally the the scene where Tom Hanks wraps a frozen hot dog on the window, dink dink dink. I don't remember that scene. So together we might could remember the whole movie. I would love it if someone actually wrote in and proved that I like dreamed of that scene and he in fact does not have a hot dog the whole movie. Let's just say you would love if somebody wrote in. <laughs> By the way, you haven't checked our email, have you? I probably haven't. I uh, tried to whatever password you gave me. Oh yeah, I, it yelled at me. I got to. I get. I I gave you the wrong password. I'm sorry about that. Um, You're trying to cut me out. So time dilation. Uh, I don't. Uh, so I'm I'm reading a book. Uh, we've talked. I I think I had finished the last Philip K. Dick book. Last we had talked. Maybe mm-hmm. I was reading a book called Ubik, which I recommend. It's very exciting. It would make for a pretty cool movie. Um, it is about. Ubik is about, uh, gosh, it's about time jumping in a way that is very interesting. But anyway, I'm reading a book now called Liars Incorporated. And while I think Ubik was the kind of book where I got to the end and I was like, no, oh, that could be turned into a, a trippy, like kind of a looper style movie. Uh, I do not think Liars Inc. is filmable. And also, I feel like in order to fully understand it, I should have done acid before. Um, <laughs> there's there's elements of time dilation. There's a scene in which the main character is literally shot with a thing full of LSD, and then you spend some pages trying to keep up with what the hell's going on. It is a startling book. I was not what I was expecting at all. I have not finished it though. Okay, I don't. I'm not even familiar with it. 
very or I think that's why I pulled it up. up. Is I didn't yeah. want, I wanted to write I list I read a couple of of the more straightforward Philip K. Dick books, so I ended up in Wires Inc. Um, more straightforward. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, what would you say his most famous one is? Andrew's Dream of. Yeah, one of the ones that didn't actually Ubik is considered to be one of the biggest ones, even though a lot of people yeah, I've heard. heard of, I've definitely heard of Ubik. There's the uh, Man in the High Castle. I think is Man the, in the High Castle. Yeah, you know, that's for what people say it is. It's pretty trippy when when you actually try to figure out what's happening, especially after the whole thing's over. That book does not tell you what it is about, and so I watched the pilot of the show. And then I realized what they were really doing was making a show based on the concept of the book, but not really in the actual Well, book. that's pretty common. Yeah. Oh, hey, I I read The Forever War. Read you it. did? Really? All right. Oh, I'm so excited. That was yeah, like last week. That was good. That's yeah. the, that's well, the... Audi- I audio booked it. Uh, oh, okay. Because I drive a lot, and uh, it was good. Yeah? You yeah. Liked it? Um, I mean, it was about what I thought, but it was actually pretty well done. The focus was on the right thing. It was just you were sort of like seeing everything through this person's perspective. Yeah, it was good. Cool. I see why people like it. I Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I definitely uh, – I once was criticized by a person I used to work with that said, man, you like everything, which is a really weird – uh, thing to be criticized by, especially if you I can. I would never yourself. have accused you of that, <laughs> right? Exactly. Did this person know you? <laughs> they they did. Uh, they but I think what they were trying to get across was that when I like a thing, I get very enthusiastic about it. Um, uh, yeah. So like I I generally only expend the effort to say I like something if I really super like it. Um, so like I think that. I should, in retrospect, I should have given you less about where, like, what was going on with that book because I went in just thinking it was like a, an army book, you know, a future army. Oh, well, and, I think I knew as much as what you probably told me. Yeah, but. yeah. It, it, the fact that it, like, that I wasn't expecting it to jump around in time and get all relativistic made it very thrilling. But yeah, the book's great. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, do you have any uh, specific thoughts? I feel like the problem with the book podcast is you either have to talk about the book that you're both reading at the same time, or the conversation devolves into, I read this book. That was pretty good. Oh, cool. Interesting. Oh, I was planning on reading this book. Oh, you are planning on it. Cool. <laughs> I think what I have come to enjoy about these kind of books, and I think why they maybe have sort of more of a, a, a wider appeal because um, is something more than just what they're about specifically. I'm, and what I mean by that is um, the sense you get when reading it is just this perspective. This You don't feel like it's preaching something necessarily. You do see parallels. You know, I'm sure you could spend a whole class relating how this related to uh, soldiers coming back from the Vietnam War, which I do right. think – it was relating that, you know, the alienation they feel when they return. And, um, but what I think it does almost counter to that is maybe use that as an example, but, but put you in a place that's alien enough that you experience these thoughts and things without 
the context that sort of overly defines them naturally for you. And you come away with something that doesn't have to be related to anything, right? It, it gives you a feeling that is personal to you and like real, you know, just the idea of what a human life is worth and time and, and uh, what, you know, it just pulls you back out. And you're thinking, okay, where where are we going? Where where am I going? What does it mean to be? You know, I'm not yeah. going to go through all the details, but I think that's what I I liked about that book and others like it. Yeah, I mean, I think that taking things to a grand sort of taking ideas to impossible scales is what I find exciting about most sci-fi. Like that uh and i like that's why i love bradbury stuff so much and because is he can he takes he goes all the way out to someplace like there is a story called the golden apples of the sun that's uh not more than eight pages long but it's about a spaceship literally scooping uh uh, energy out of the sun uh which is not you know this was fantastical even for the time it was probably like not remotely a feasible thing but it doesn't have to be right it's a it is a story where the conclusion is what you start at like the conclusion is you know assuming all of these other things are in place what would this specific thing be like and right and and uh forever war starts with a sort of uh vietnami well we have to do this absurd fighting for a reason that we don't really understand uh sort of framework but then the real story is about what would actually happen if uh, we ended up in a relativistic war with someone somewhere? And then you throw that on top of and, and you do the whole thing from a perspective of a guy that didn't even understand who he was fighting like over the next hill, much less, you know, like 400 years in the future when he gets there. Um, so like that, I, man. And then the way that book cl- closes up and kind of time, time is a flat circles its way into the stasis field stuff. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there you go. This has been, I mean, it, I don't have to close out the segment, I guess. I just wanted to make it, this has been Cameron Brock's reading corner <laughs> joke. Um, although we are we are getting late on time. Do you have any, like, uh, final, Do you, you did you have a second thing? Do you want to hit that thing real fast before we make this podcast, uh, like, excruciatingly long? Yeah, why, why not? But actually, right. I think it was that I was reading that or had read that. Okay. Uh, well, there was there was another tangent to that, which was that I have time to listen to audiobooks uh, more than actually read, um, and that is also compounded by the fact that I'm a terribly slow reader, which I may have mentioned before. You did, yeah. Uh, but I was I don't know. I was reading something. It may have been close your ears, Tam, on Reddit books. Mm. Somebody said, "Hey, I, I read the uh, Wheel of Time series, oh. and they wanted they wanted to talk about it, which oh, is boy. a common thing. Hey, I finished a series, you know, uh, I want to s- celebrate with people who've already read it. Oh, and Wheel of Time, for those who don't know, is an epic fantasy in the purest sense. Maybe the uh, most epic fantasy, like maybe really? the most epic. It is fourteen books long. They the first book I think is the shortest." And they just expand from there. Just tomes. 14 of them. And this person claims a story in such a way. I read the first one and it was better. I was a little more engaged than I thought. And I gave it a chance. And then I got hooked. 
And here I am two months later, and I just finished up, and I think it's great. And I was like, oh, on. Two months later, okay, I I know that I'm a slow reader, but this is needs to be addressed. <laughs> okay, this needs to be addressed. If if you were if you were bound to your bed, what do they call that? Bedridden. Oh well, it depends on why you're bound to your bed, I guess. <laughs> okay, in this case, I'm just going to assume bedridden. Okay, I, I don't want like a well, you got time to read ESM or like a misery situation. None of that. Well, you got uh, time to read in two of those situations, actually. Um, uh, or right, and so. Okay, okay. So it's just not possible. And it's not possible. It is possible physically. Hmm. It's not possible to read Wheel of Time in two months with a semi normal life situation and have actually consumed it. I don't in even, a way, in uh, the same way that I consumed that series. There's, I don't believe it. I think. Man, this is a tough one. I think that there were periods in my life where I could knock out an entire book. In a, like I would remember getting a new Star Wars book and reading it the day that I bought it. And I know those are not Wheel of Time tomes. There's probably three Star Wars books to one Robert Jordan. But um, I could probably... I, I, I think that's feasible. That, that said, the, what you're getting at, though, is that the, the, uh, the reader... Uh, that they that they might be uh, skimming, that they might be reading, uh, sort of like maybe this paragraph. I got into it. I kind of like poked my head into this paragraph. Hey, what do you do? what are you doing? Paragraph and this paragraph's like, let me tell you about this forest. And then that person said, "Cool, I'm going to go over here to the end." And it look, yep, it looks like you're finishing telling me about that forest. All right, awesome. Next paragraph. I'm not going to assume skipping around. I can't do it. Okay. To a large degree, but I know people are able to absorb the facts and the words that are being said. But imagine you were given a transcript of this podcast and you read Ugh. it in five minutes. Yes, I know. It's already a bad example. But you're not listening to this podcast. You're not getting in most of whatever might be marginally good about what, what's going on here by just like having it shoved into your brain really quick. Um, some books, yes. Some, especially informative books, you know, uh, nonfiction, I think more so. But these are supposed to give you a feeling. You're supposed to exist in that. I listened to Star, or Star, Starship Troopers, The Forever War, at 1.25 speed. And you oh, know what? No. It sounded normal, but I regretted it. It felt like I thought the character was sort of a little bit of an overly energetic person. And I don't think that that did any favors to what was being said. So I'm going <laughs> to unbiasedly advocate for at least attempting slow reading in certain circumstances to see how it feels. Mm. I uh, there's Boy, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I don't even, I, I'm genuinely worried about people that listen to podcasts at more than one X. Um, you guys need to relax. <laughs> Just like, take your time. Uh, the, uh, listening to audiobooks, I generally find excruciating, uh, because I'm very distracted by how hard it must be to read a whole book without 
um, needing to swallow. Um, and I find the authors having to do voices really strange. I, I just, there's a lot about the execution of an audiobook that I end up thinking about instead of listening to the person reading. Um, I also feel like they read slow, but then again, I don't want to just artificially speed it up because then I guess like it's, that's stressful on a different level. Um, I, I have a, I, I think that reading comprehension is a, a, a spectrum uh, maybe this guy just like got the gist of it, and like I wasn't necessarily saying that he like I wasn't joking. Like that is a totally a thing that I will even do sometimes. If I find myself getting lazy when I'm reading something, I will absolutely, if I hit a big block of a paragraph, sneak on down to the bottom of the paragraph and kind of like convince myself that what is in the paragraph is worth it <laughs> for a second. You know, you're okay. like, yeah, you're yeah. like uh, okay, I could probably read this entire story and this paragraph wouldn't exist and I would still end up getting the gist of this story. And then I have to go back and consciously say, no, part of this story is understanding this room that these characters are in or the, you know, the nuance of what's actually going on. Like if I just, well, and you know, with a giant series like and if if anyone has read Wheel of Time, I have the first book. There's a lot of. There is a lot of dead space in there. If yeah. there is a series, especially towards the middle, you can be skipping some paragraphs. Certainly, I wouldn't argue that it was valuable for me to have read all of that. But you never know. And I think especially when you're talking about a book that you you know has a lot of meaning embedded in it, however long it is, and that's not a lot of books – um, you gotta experience it because you have you you have to admit that you have no way of knowing where the meaning is in it, and so you just have to like go with that. Yeah, I mean, find you, out later. You have to make it to the very end of a really long podcast in order to certainly suddenly realize that you've been wasting the last hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> right, and that's like the whole trick. Uh-huh. We did it. <laughs> 